This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome to Unleashed, where we are on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. It is here. Wildcard weekend did not disappoint. But Jerry, looking at the four matchups this weekend, just right off the bat, the biggest spread is Jaguars at Chiefs, eight and a half points favoring Kansas City. And then Eagles, also more than a touchdown favorite over the Giants. I'm sorry, seven and a half. And then both Sunday games are expected to be really good. They're expected to be much closer. Bills are giving four and a half. 49ers are giving three and a half. So just right off the bat, do your Giants stand a chance? Do they cover? Look, I do like the Giants to cover seven and a half in a playoff game is a, is a lot, especially with the, the way the Giants have been playing. However, I don't think I've tweeted this much since like 2012, but <laughs> the Eagles are not the Vikings. No disrespect to the Vikings. It is a whole different beast that we're walking into. I don't read much into week 18's game. So uh, this, is gonna, this is a tall order to beat those number one seeded Eagles. I know that's that game's going to be good. I was surprised. Obviously, that was considered the one upset of wildcard weekend. Really, I mean, Jaguars, you could say, too, obviously that comeback. But, you know, the Giants were not supposed to win that game. And the Vikings just kind of collapsed. It, 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 we'll get to all that. I know you probably have a lot of thoughts. So any good bets from this past weekend? Yeah, the weekend. Yes. Monday night. Not so much. But the weekend. Oof. I had another one of my, I remember we discussed jumping on those big spread teams and the 10 point tees like I did. I basically had the Bills, mm -hmm. Niners, and then I bumped the Giants up to plus 13 and a half. Only really needed the points in the Bills game, which I knew I had a good feeling that I was going to hit, but my shining moment for the weekend, and it might have been because I was just half asleep. I fired in a little action on the Jaguars down 27 to 7 at half to win on the money no, line. Didn't. No plus fifteen hundred. So my shining, my shining moment. Yeah, I should say so. What gave you so much hope? What gave me hope is number one, I, that touchdown at the end of the half really saved it for me. If they would have went in twenty seven nothing, or even twenty seven three, if the Jags wouldn't have gotten that TD before the half, that showed the life. But also, I am of the opinion having a twenty seven to seven lead is probably the worst thing that could have happened to the Chargers. Now, this is a fan perspective. This is not X's and O's. I know that sounds Sorry. ridiculous. Explain. Explain. 
I don't like the Chargers nursing a lead for a whole half. I want them aggressive. I want them mm-hmm. trying to come back. I want them firing, like putting up points. And they don't really have the run game to wind down the clock. And I think it just played right into the Jaguars' hands. And the Jaguars, give them credit, never gave up. So, uh, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. Look, every team wants a 27-7 to lead at half. In this case... I just don't think it benefited the Chargers as much as it would have 99% of other NFL teams. Call me dumb. Anyone would take it except Coach Jerry (laughs) Ferrara. He's not liking that scoreboard. You know, Monday night was the only game of the six all weekend where the under hit. It was a high-scoring weekend. It was exciting. Yeah, there was points all weekend long. It was a big party. Monday night, I just wanted action Monday night, so I didn't do this as like, oh, I I, I had some things with the Bucks money line and stuff like that because – just thinking it might have been a close game and maybe Tom Brady in a close game, but no, it, it shows everything we saw this year was true. They're done. It's over for them. He's done there. It's, He's got to be done It's got to be. I just don't know how you could fix it. Maybe yeah. we'll talk to Andrew Brandt about it later. Maybe he could tell us how you would fix that for Brady to stay. I don't know. But uh, yeah, and the Cowboys, Niners. Woo, is that setting up to be old school oh classic? Yeah, that just sounds like... A hallmark game. Yeah, you mentioned Andrew Brandt, former NFL executive. He's joining us. He's been on before. He's so fantastic. He's kind of one of those guys who has a lot of hot takes and is very strong in his convictions and says stuff that maybe other people are scared to say. So he's a fantastic guest. I wanted to say really quickly, I mentioned that the under hit in the Monday night Mm -hmm. game, Dallas, Tampa Bay, it only missed by half a point. It was 45 and a half was the point total. And I don't know. Someone missed a lot of extra points. So that a lot of betters, that might be your bad beat. That's got to be everyone's worst beat of the weekend. That that was pretty tough. But I'm going to talk more about the Brett Mayer missed extra points in my Unleashed because I have a couple ideas of what the Cowboys should do before their meeting with the 49ers. Yeah. And I'll start I'll stop arguing on Twitter about keeping the extra point where it is. I guess I'm wrong still to say let's move it back up to where it was. But anyway, I can't wait for your Unleashed. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. It's funny because it was like, I mean, just the yips, the yips. My husband as a basketball player talks about it. I I think most people can relate in golf. If you play golf, I've had them. I've had them. (laughs) Can't hit a putt inside five feet. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, speaking of golf, Jerry, I finally got to the Tom Brady golf episode of Entourage that you've told me is one you're asked about a lot. So are you going to have some stories for me about Tom Brady later in the show when we get to the entourage segment? I have stories. There's a lot that went into that episode. I'll tease it with this, and maybe some listeners might know this because I have told this story once before, but let's just say that episode was not written for Tom Brady and Mark Wahlberg. It was written for others. Oh, okay. Don't say anything. Nope. Don't say anything. Just a teaser. Oh, speaking of which, you know how you let it slip a couple weeks ago what Turtle's real name is? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I finally got to that point, and I was like, damn it, Jerry, that would have been really fun to find out. I got a great story for that, too. A really emotional story for that one. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, Entourage segment is always later in the show, and we've got a lot to talk about in that segment. Okay, Jerry, let's start as we recap Wildcard Weekend with your Giants. They went into Minnesota and took down the Vikings. What was your takeaway? My biggest takeaway was Daniel Jones was a beast. Look, as a Giants fan, scary being, and I think I mentioned this last week, scary being sort of the betting public's team. Mm -hmm. I like it when the Giants are picked to lose by everyone and everyone's doubting them. I want them an underdog mindset. 
and the Vikings came right out and scored opening drive. And I, I for sure was like, well, maybe uh, this is one of those games where everyone's just wrong about the Giants being the team to look out for. But Daniel Jones, right from that first drive, answered right back with a touchdown. Then they answered right back with another touchdown to go up 14-7. From that moment, it was game on. It was almost like a pitcher throwing like a no-hitter. I'm like, just don't even look mm-hmm. at this guy. Just let him keep going. I did not think he could maintain it for a whole game. I don't know if you've ever seen Daniel Jones do it from start to finish like that. Yeah. And he did, even with the Darius Slayton throw and, and dropped catch, you know, that was a perfect throw that would have iced the game. So it was. He might have made himself a lot of my, every pass is just like an extra million bucks that he's completing. Every pa- every rushing yard's like another 250 grand. It, yeah, it was just we were watching right. someone securing a bag in real time. I love it. Speaking of his rushing, he had 17 rush attempts, which is the second most by a quarterback in playoff history. It's like D- Daniel Jones looked more like Josh Allen than Josh Allen did. Yeah, and listen, this is where you have to give credit to Saquon Barkley for all the people out there who say you don't want to pay a running back and get running backs and yeah. later ra- Agreed, I get it, I get it. But can you get Saquon Barkley in the second round, in the third round, or sign off someone's practice squad? No, what I mean by that is they built the whole offense around the threat of Saquon Barkley. They had design runs for Daniel Jones with misdirection that worked because of the threat. That is Saquon Barkley. And his two touchdowns, I'm sorry, there's not any old running back that could just go get those two touchdowns like that. So, Yeah, it was a great game, one of the close ones of the weekend. But the game of the weekend may have taken place in Jacksonville, the fifth biggest comeback in NFL history, third biggest comeback of the postseason. And they were down, what, 27-0 in the first half. Did they score a touchdown right before half that you were saying? I believe they scored a touchdown right at the end of the half. I will double check. I'm pretty sure because I'm. Well, maybe you're right. I think that's what gave me the confidence to say, you know. (laughs) Something did. They were down 27 to 7 at half. They scored just before the end of the half. I must have gone to bed right before that touchdown (laughs) then because I was like, oh, it's done. He threw, what, four interceptions Trevor Lawrence did in the first half. Three were to Asante Samuel. That must have been his biggest target in the first half. So, yeah, I was like, that's a wrap. It's over. But you got to give Trevor Lawrence so much credit for still taking the shots he did. When I woke up, obviously, I watched the highlights. That's the first thing Sam and I did in the morning over a big cup of coffee. We were like, what the hell happened in that game? And Trevor Lawrence looked so composed. He was taking gutsy shots. Like, he wasn't playing scared at all. And I know he's talked a lot recently about the mental fortitude it takes to play the quarterback position. And he completely exemplified that. Yeah, and if you look at it, two of the picks, one was tipped, and sh- that's still kind of on him. You're right, you know, you're right. like it, the ball was tipped, and it happens all the time. He got a bad bounce there, and one of the other picks was cl- there's clearly interference. That well, I, we, the referees—that's a whole other conversation for maybe a whole other episode. But that being said, he was playing terrible. I love what he said post game about at halftime, which just makes complete sense. Like what, you know, what choice did I have to not gut my way yeah. through that? Like what other choice do I have? Give up. And That's you just point. look at those weapons. And the other thing I was looking at as a better looking, all right, he still has weapons. They can put up points in bunches. Doug Peterson, that is the kind of coach I want in that situation. Yeah, I just do. I, totally. I trust Doug Peterson to at least make a game of it. And they did. And that was impressive. And for going into Kansas City with your Chiefs, look, it would be unreal for the Jaguars. It would be one of the biggest upsets in playoff history. But either way, I don't think that's going to be 
I like the Jags to maybe cover that. I don't think they, the Chiefs walk through that team. Did I tell you I'm working that game? You are? Wait, stop. I am. Whoa. I'm really pumped. I, yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm doing it with Westwood One. I'm calling it with my dad. It's our third NFL game. We're working together. And I'm really excited. And I came across this stat as I've started my prep that Trevor Lawrence has never lost a football game on a Saturday in his life. Like going back to peewee football, he's never lost a Saturday football game. And they play Saturday. Just say So you might be right. It might be close, but I think he gets his first Saturday L. So your third game is your first playoff game or no? They've all been playing. Second, second playoff game. Okay. Yeah. All right. So God, what is it? Yeah. Last year, our game last year we worked was Big Ben's final game. Ben Roethlisberger, it was Steelers at Chiefs was our last one. Now, I live in Kansas City, so I think that's why I keep getting assigned the Chiefs to save money on travel. <laughs> local hire. I Not know me. what that's like as an actor. Yeah. Local hire. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'd, I'd so much rather sleep in my own bed. So I'm really, really excited for that one. I think that's going to be a good game. Have you started prepping already? I mean, I'm sure mentally you have. Yeah. When do you really start? When do you really start to get the feel? Now, it's a Saturday game, so shorter week. Yeah. When do you really, is it, is it, today we're taping on a Tuesday. Is it Thursday where you start getting the, oh, shits, here we go, let's do this? This is actually a good question. One I get a lot, and thank God my, my background where I really, I've worked the most games in my career in college football, Saturdays. Right. So I'm kind of going back to my college football schedule. So yeah, no, all week we've got Zooms with players and coaches. I'll have a couple calls with a couple players and coaches. And then, yeah, we go to the game. It's on radio. I don't know if I mentioned that. It's on Westwood on radio, the national radio broadcast of the game. So if you're driving around, turn on the radio. You'll hear me and my pops. But, you know, it, it is like I mentioned at the top of the show. It's the biggest spread of the weekend. So Vegas is not expecting it to be a close game. But I'm just excited for a Saturday at Arrowhead. I love you've got to go to Arrowhead, Jerry. It's a lot. I would love to. I've I'm already starting to get goaded into friends of mine who want want to go to Philly for that Giants road yeah. game. I'm like, I, you know what? I love football yeah. and I love the Giants. I don't know if I'm trying to go into Philly in January in a playoff game. I don't know. <laughs> All respect to the Philly yeah. fan, but yeah, I would love to. I'm more interested in going. Yeah, I would love to go to a Chiefs game. So maybe the next one you call, maybe I get to uh, to come. There you go. Okay, what's uh, Bills Bengals? That's coming up. We have not talked about that. Obviously, the stage is set because last time these teams played is when Demar Hamlin was carted off the field and the world stopped. So there's going to be a lot of emotion in this game. What are you expecting for this one? It's weirdly a mirror of the NFC, right? You, the NFC, you have the Cowboys, yeah. Niners. And if you're the Eagles, who are the number one seed, supposed to beat the Giants, you're looking at that game saying, I hope those two teams just beat the shit out of each other. So now if you're the Chiefs, mm -hmm. who should beat the Jaguars, you got to look at that Bills-Bengals game like, you know, whoever comes out of there, hopefully will have expended a lot of energy. I, I worry about both these teams. I mean, the Bills... That was a weird, close game, and Josh Allen looked so good at times, but then he just started throwing the ball around like it was a hot potato, mm -hmm. and I don't know mm -hmm. if they maybe are that aggressive with the Bengals. We'll see. The Bengals, health-wise, on the line certainly troubles me. I mean, <laughs> both of those teams easily could have lost those games if they continued to fall asleep at the wheel. The Bengals really, I mean, they're about to go down seven. They were about to go down seven, and I yeah. have to agree yeah. a little bit with Dobbins who was said after the game, like, I just don't know how I don't get one red zone touch in the whole entire game. I mean, it's easy to say revisionist history with that fumble, but maybe would have gave it to JK on the first down on, on, just to try to get in. 
But uh, I like the Bills in that game. Wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals did win, but I just think in Buffalo with those emotions running high, I just mm-hmm. think that they're going to be extra fired up for that game. And I, I like the Bills. I think we've been heading toward this Chiefs-Bills matchup. I agree. It feels like it's been mounting since they last played in this round last year. The divisional round last year was the last time they faced off in the playoffs. So it's it's been anticipated. It's what everyone wants, of course. But listen to this, because you know I've got a random stat I'm going to pull out of my ass. Joe Burrow is 6-0 and in January, and he's 8-0 and if you go back to LSU in January as a starter. What do you think of that? Does that scare you at all, or does it mean nothing? Again, coming at it from a betting perspective, I lean mm-hmm. bills. But I think of all yeah. the players I would not want to bet against. Uh, Mahomes is an easy answer because he's so t- but. Even still, Mahomes mm-hmm. sometimes is so talented. He'll he'll let you cover a game just because he maybe got bored. Burrow is just not the dude I want to bet against. No matter what, no matter who's on the other end. So I would be scared to bet the Bills. I probably will bet the Bills, but rooting not against, but just having to go against Joe Burrow in a bet. Oof, that's just I already I'm already uncomfortable. I know, I know, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that one is Bills for sure. That one seems pretty clear to me. Okay. Hats off to the NFC East, though. Let's just put a bow on it, right? Three of the four teams left in the NFC come from that division. That's really impressive. But somehow, lost in this weekend are the 49ers, who continue to win under Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey also had a big day, as did Debo Samuel. So all the stars are doing what they're supposed to. So are the 49ers now the team to beat in the NFC? Because, like you mentioned, it, it is an instant classic ahead of us in their meeting with Dallas. Yeah, I mean, odds-wise to win the NFC right now, the Niners are plus 140, Eagles are plus 160, Cowboys plus 450, Giants plus 1,100. So there you go. That's who uh, the betting world (laughs) thinks is the favorite. I do think I do give them the slight edge, but you got to remember you're giving the slight edge to a rookie quarterback who has looked fantastic. But to me, of all the teams he went through in the regular season, and no disrespect in that first round to the Seattle Seahawks. That was not the Legion of Boom that he was up against. You know, Richard nope. Sherman, Bobby Wagner uh, were not there. So I think this is going to be a huge test. Could be a career-defining test for Brock Purdy. If he loses to Dallas and that defense, are we still saying build around Brock Purdy? He's the guy? Maybe. But if he beats Dallas and looks impressive doing so, he might really just be sealing up his future. So... I'm most excited after the Giants, of course, most excited for that game. And your game, of course. I can't, I'm going to listen to your game on the radio. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we always talk about getting hot at the right time. So everyone had kind of written Dallas off, and then here they are getting hot at the right time. So I don't know. It, it just makes you wonder, are they the dangerous team? Because Dak, Dak was amazing. And it's hard to think that Dak Prescott – outshine Tom Brady and that obviously that leads to a whole other discussion by the way do you kiss your sons on the lips I do not okay uh Tom Tom Brady at 45 kissed his dad on the lips after the game I you know I don't um I'm not trying everyone do whatever look however you want to express love it's love great beautiful I do not I mean I they got really cute cheeks they got chubby cheeks I give them a little kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the head I'm a hugger I give me the hug A good hug to me. Yeah. That's enough. I want the hug. I'll stay in the hug a little long with them when they're like, dad, get away. Yeah, I'll stay in the hug. I say this obviously facetiously. Your kids are babies. 
I have a little baby boy. I kiss him on the lips all the time. But it, it, people were freaking out because Tom Brady kissed his dad on the lips. They're like two grown men, American. That's what my mom said. Well, you know, it's like Brazilian culture. I said, just because his wife is Brazilian doesn't mean. Anyways, that's a tangent. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. I was curious if you thought about it. It's time to unleash. Okay, well, you might have thought the Tom Brady kiss on the lips with his dad would have been my Unleashed of the Week, but it's not. We still have to get unleashed. Jerry, you go first. Okay. I don't know. Maybe everyone else, maybe I might have missed the memo here watching football like the rest of the world, and all of a sudden now we have expedited reviews. It's like, ah, oh, well, we looked at it really quick. And uh, you know, it's no catch. Did you know this was coming, Olivia? I didn't know there's like this whole new review process. The, the, the booths already got the answer. We don't cut the commercial. It completely screwed up my viewing experience when I take bathroom breaks, snack breaks. Anytime I know there's a review, it's like, <laughs> oh, let me scroll Twitter. So that threw me for a yeah. loop. Is this something they've been testing? Because you roll this out in the playoffs, you must be pretty confident it's going to be awesome. And it was. This is going to stay, right? This has to stay even in the regular season. I don't know if we get through the Bills-Dolphins game without expedited reviews. Were you surprised by this? College football needs to take a page from this book because those games are way too long. So I think everyone can agree that football games can be a touch quicker. Yeah. I don't think I knew this was going to be unrolled like this weekend, but I, I like it too. But it does change the way you watch a game. You can't just like, Hey, anyone want to drink? This will take a while. I'll go to the bar, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't ready for it. I had no idea this was coming. I missed the memo. I saw it no place on social media, but pleasant surprise. You know, NFL, there's a lot of things good and not so good. This was good. This was a, a, a good job by good job by the NFL with the expedited reviews. Keep it coming. Yeah, you know what was not good was the Cowboys kicking game Monday night. They won, of course. They beat the Bucs. They sent Tom Brady home, maybe for the last time as a Buccaneer. But Brett Mayer tried, <laughs> tried to give it away. He missed four straight extra points. The first time in history, by the way, that's been done. And he also missed an extra point the week before. So he's been on a cold streak. You know, you've heard of the yips. I talked about it earlier in the show. The average person can probably relate in their golf game or something. But it is real. Like JJ Reddick and basketball has always talked about this. Like your body forgets how to do what it's supposed to do. And it's sad for me to think when Brett goes back and watches the tape. And I hope he doesn't watch the TV copy because if he does, he'll see his teammates on the sideline grimacing, upset. Dak Prescott saying, go for two. We can't kick. And also it's sad at one point he ran out for a field goal and they were not kicking. They were not trusting him to do it. They went for it. So I just, I feel bad for the guy. You've heard me say a million times on the show, I'll never let my son kick a football for this very reason. And look, Brett Mayer is a very decorated kicker. He is money from deep. That's the problem. He has the most made field goals over 60 yards, I think, in the NFL. So here's what I think. The Cowboys have two options as they face San Francisco this weekend. They can have the snap. Just go back really, really far and let him kick extra points from like at least 50 yards or option two, bring in another kicker. And the day that that always happens in the NFL, uh, it's a little different with a weird weekend, but Tuesdays are like a day you can try out another kicker. So we record this on Tuesdays. We don't know yet if that is the case, but if I were the Cowboys, I would say, Brett, we're not giving up on you. We're not going to replace you or kick you off the team. Nothing like that. We're not going to waive you. 
we're just going to have you handle field goals and we're going to bring in an extra point guy. And a perfect person I think of who I actually just saw in person recently at the SEC championship is Rodrigo Blankenship, NFL kicker, kind of journeyman. He's with the Colts, most notably for a long time. He's out of a job. He kicks some extra points very nicely. So because he's a Georgia Bulldog and I'm rooting for him, he's the guy in the glasses they call Specs. I like him. So Cowboys, bring in a guy like Rod Blankenship and tell Brett, take a breather. Just handle some of these field goals and don't let the yips get to you on extra points. What do you think of those options? You know what I say. Preach. Yeah, everyone still love making the field extra points harder. Yeah, let's just keep making them harder. Love losing out on an over bet because of four missed (laughs) extra points. But uh, yeah, keep making them harder. Oh, man. Okay. Well, now that we've both unleashed, I think we feel a couple pounds lighter. We can breathe a little deeper. So now it's time to get to our audible of the week. And I don't know, I think it's only right. We give our audible of the week to Rayshon Jenkins, the Jacksonville safety. They might have Jaguars on their helmets, but he compared the team to an insect. And I'm going to remember it when I see him this weekend. Take a listen. I look at us like a bunch of cockroaches. Like, we, we can't be killed. Like, we cannot be killed. We're going to fight you till, until it says zero, 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 zero on the clock. So next up for the Jacksonville cockroaches <laughs> are the Kansas City Chiefs. So that is going to be so much fun. Peter Andrews coming up on later on the show. We're going to see if he thinks this game will be close. Like I mentioned earlier, it's the biggest spread of the weekend. So Vegas certainly doesn't think so, but we'll see if BetMGM betting expert or analyst, depends how good he's done. Peter Andrew thinks about that one. Okay, let's go ahead and get to our interview because we have a really good one this week. Someone to handle all of the rigmarole in the league. Someone who knows it so well. Professor of law. He also writes for SI.com. Let's bring in Andrew Brandt. Well, now we welcome back in Andrew Brandt. So excited, a recurring guest. We don't have many of those, so you've got to be really spectacular to get us back. Andrew Brandt, of course, longtime NFL executive, and he was at the Green Bay Packers when my grandpa was also there. So, Andrew, right before we were recording, you said you had a story for me, and I think that's a good place to start. Okay, Olivia, we're going to start with that now. It's a little bit, it's a little bit R-rated, but... That's all right. <laughs> That's what a right. way to but get your back. Actually, what I'm not way. so sure it has to do with my grandpa. I don't know if I do want to hear. R-rated de- dealing with Bob Harlan, your grandpa. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, when you're on an NFL team uh, email list, there's also access to all NFL employees. There's access to all NFL presidents. There's access to all NFL capologists, all NFL GMs. Anyway. There was a day we're sitting around the office one day and a video comes across sent to, actually it was sent, not sent to me, it was sent to all presidents. So all team presidents received this video and it was a, well, how else can I say it? Pornography. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so someone had told our president, Bob Harlan, your grandfather, that some other president said, have you seen this, Bob? And he was scared to death to open it. So he called me up. <laughs> he said, Andrew, now I'm not a tech whiz, but I think I had enough status that maybe I should see this. So I come up there and I, he says, what's, I say, what's up? He says, I don't want to open this. Can you open it and just look at it? But I don't want to look at it. 
I don't want to look at. He's like, I said, well, what is it? He said, well, I just heard from the president of this team. And he said, this has gone around and it's, it's pornography and someone sent it by accident. I said, do you want me to look at it? He goes, yeah, I want you to look at it. You sure? He goes, yeah, but don't let me look at it. <laughs> I said, okay. So I opened it and it's not important what it was, but it was hardcore pornography. And I clicked out and he says, is that what I think it is? Yes. I'm not looking at it. I said, yes, you're not. Erase it. I said, I erased it. It's gone. It's good. Erase it. <laughs> so a, an offensive line coach, I won't even tell you what team, because I don't think I want to bring the team into it. An offensive line coach had accidentally hit oh, no. all team presidents oh, no. when he was just trying to send this to a buddy somewhere, maybe even in the same team. And needless to say, that line coach was severely disciplined by not only his team, but by the league, because every team president was calling the league like, what is this? What is, how could this guy do this? Do you know if that guy still has a job? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think he had a job for a couple of weeks after that. Sure. That was an... Uh, because we were talking about sort of technology and as we came on this show and me fixing my camera and I was like, you want to hear a story about technology? Erase it. And you're going to erase it. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite. Erase it. There's no erasing anything anymore, uh, sir. Yeah. Sorry, sir. Oh my God. Well, this was kind of, I don't know, 15 years ago. And uh, oh. as I told you before coming on, your grandfather, Bob Harlan, every morning would have that Milwaukee journal spread out on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, there was the internet. We were reading over yeah, the internet. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he just wanted to read that oh. hard copy Milwaukee Journal. That was his morning routine. Oh, that is such a good story. <laughs> that is such a good story. Okay, Jerry, it's hard to pivot from pornography, but you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Ask him about football. Uh, move, move, moving on, we're going to get into some football. Uh, look, I thought it was a wonderful weekend of football yeah. in terms of just sheer entertainment. On paper, a lot of people thought these wild card games maybe wouldn't be as competitive. Is there anything that surprised you or, you know, just stuck out to you most this wild card weekend? There was so much to unpack. Every every game had their own storyline. Yeah, it's hard to know what stands out. I think we'll start sort of backwards because last night I'm not a prognosticator. You know, I'm a business expert. I study that side of it. So I'm not the guy to pick games, but I just thought the Cowboys would roll last night. I thought that Tampa was the worst team in the playoffs. That's uh, the worst division in football. And they've just been broken all year, except for like four or five drives at the end of games by Brady. He hasn't looked happy. The team looks broken. They don't run the ball. They don't, they just don't have it this year for whatever reason. You know, they were a great team two years ago. They were a good team last year. They're just not it. I don't think it says a lot about the Cowboys, unfortunately, for Cowboys fans, because I think that's a poor team. The other things that stand out to me are Buffalo is still not right. And it took just all those miscues by the Dolphins in terms of getting the snap off and doing that to beat them, you know, in a, in a close game. So we all sort of fall in love with Buffalo and the big arm of Josh Allen. And of course, the wonderful story we'll talk about with Hamlin. But I just don't think they're right either. And then, you know, if Lamar Jackson played, I think the Ravens win that game. So the AFC is kind of up in the air. I think at the end of the wildcard weekend, I come out of it thinking 
the two teams that did not play are more favorites than I thought going into the weekend. I think the Eagles will, I'm sorry, I know you're a Giants fan, Jerry. I think the Eagles will have a good result this weekend, and I think they can beat the 49ers at home. And I think the same for the Chiefs, no matter where the championship game is. So I come out of the wildcard weekend, some surprises, but I'm more firm on those two teams that got the buys getting to the Super Bowl. I want to pick up what you said about Brock Purdy, who has just been kind of the darling of this NFL season now. Do you feel like that many teams got it wrong by not drafting this kid? Or is this just kind of a, a lucky coincidence? A lot of things are falling in the right way. Yeah, coaching matters. He has a wonderful coaching staff. Shanahan has done wonders with quarterbacks at all levels. And he does have a moxie about him that is, that is rare for a last yeah. pick in the round for a seventh round pick. You know, we all, and I think we, meaning people in the business, are waiting for that Cinderella moment from him, or I guess the opposite of Cinderella, where he goes back to earth. It wasn't this weekend. It may not be against the Cowboys. I'm kind of picking it's going to be against the Eagles, but we'll see. The curious thing, Olivia, about the 49ers, and I've tweeted this the past few weeks, is that they do seem like a offense that can win with multiple quarterbacks, that can win with quarterbacks that are coached up. Of course, Garoppolo and now Purdy, which makes it all more curious why they mortgage the future for Trey Lance. And Trey Lance may be a great player, but they traded not one, not two, but really three first round picks to get Trey Lance. So number two things. Number one, looking at it from a business point of view, he has to be their quarterback if he's healthy. And I know Purdy, I know Purdy, I know Purdy, but he has to be that quarterback. And number two is if he's not the player that they thought he could be, that's a problem because obviously they don't have a first round pick last year and they don't have one this year and that's all due to him. That's such an interesting point. Let's assume for a second, say Brock Purdy even advances one more round. Say he gets the NFC Championship game and that's that and loses. That would be his first loss in however many games mm-hmm. now. So now you're going into the offseason with two rookie quarterbacks, soon to be second year quarterbacks on rookie deals. One's hurt. One just had this great run. Can you also in like give Trey Lance the full shot knowing if let's say they Lance is healthy and all right, we gave up a lot of capital. Now you got Brock Purdy on the bench sitting there coming off this great run. It just seems like it would be potentially, I don't know, maybe they make it work, but it's maybe a a good, bad, good situation with drawbacks. You're saying Trey Lance, though, should not lose his job for injury. Well, I think they gave him every opportunity to start, and they did start him this year and he got hurt. So do you lose your job to an injury? It basically was his job. And then he lost it to Garoppolo due injury and then (laughs) then Purdy. So. I just think at worst, it goes into a competition next year yeah. between the two of them. But geez, I mean, this is where maybe I'm too much a business guy. I mean, like you give up three ones versus the last pick in the draft. That's a lot. You know, you sort of got to go with Lance no matter how pretty plays right now. Well, one of the most talked about quarterbacks is one who wasn't even playing this weekend, Lamar Jackson. I know we've asked you about him before. Mm-hmm. So prior to the game, he tweeted out an update on his PCL injury. After the game, he posted a very cryptic message on his Instagram. And despite the injury, he wasn't there. We know he's been around the building. Teammates are vouching for him, saying he's 
he's really hurt. He's hobbling. Former players are tweeting, you can't just ask a guy to put a boot on. Like Robert Griffin posted his career-ending injury saying, everyone just told me, strap up, put a, put a brace on everything. So what do you read into Lamar's, I don't even want to say decision not to play, but the fact that he didn't play and now their season's over? You know, it's been the most curious contract negotiation for not one, not two, probably three years. And yeah. Olivia, I don't really know. We can only guess whether he would have played if he was under contract, right? That's a big question for me. Would he have played this game, maybe a game before, maybe three games before? Who yeah. knows? Were he under contract with security? I've talked to you, as you said, about this before. The thing that complicates it all is Deshaun Watson's deal. As everyone knows, it's the best deal in history. It's fully secured five years, unlike most big-time NFL deals, which are one or two years guaranteed, and then the rest is kind of up to the team. And I think, I'm not part of the negotiation, that he asked for that over and over again as his own agent and was rebuffed, and he chose to play without a contract. The problem for him, and in some ways the problem for the Ravens, if he if this is what happened the past couple of weeks, is the tag. So he can't really bet on himself because he's going to be tagged. And then maybe he'll be traded and tagged, or maybe he'll get a deal. But right now, you know, I said this in August, I said the best thing for Lamar financially would to do something that makes them not want to tag him. Because if they don't tag him, then he's out there and he's the best free agent out there, bar none. And he'll get a huge deal like Watson. But when you're negotiating only with one team, the Ravens, I don't know where that's going to go because they have the ultimate weapon of putting the tag on them. I don't know the injury status. You know, there are people that suggest he was whatever, but I'm not going to put that on a player. I'm not going to put that on him. He's hurt, so he's not playing. I don't know why it wasn't there. There was a report he was sick, so... Well, the question now would be, would it be an exclusive franchise tag or a non-exclusive tag where someone can grab them like you alluded to? Yeah. And those then to clear up for the the listeners, exclusive means, well, let's go non-exclusive means you can get them for two number ones or something you work out Mm -hmm. if you have an offer sheet into them. Exclusive means you're totally off the market and the price is different. So the exclusive tag would be 40 plus million. Non-exclusive will be 30 plus, low 30s probably. We'll see. If there's a possibility of potentially trading him in their mind, the Ravens, they'll put the non-exclusive on. Mm -hmm. If there's no way in God's green earth they want him to be with another team trade or otherwise, they'll put the exclusive on. They'll make it work cap-wise. That'll be an interesting thing to watch. But again, before all that... Before that happens in mid-February, they will try to negotiate, I would think. I don't see this negotiation going many places because everyone asked me what I would do. Now, supposedly he was offered, just put a number on $133 million guaranteed with a $200 million, the rest of it, of course, non-guaranteed. And everyone asked, what would I have done with that offer? I would have said to the Ravens, okay, I'll take the 133 over three years and end it there. And that way, the Ravens could say, we didn't go five years like Watson. There's Mm -hmm. been a precedent for three years fully guaranteed with Kirk Cousins. And if I would have represented him, I would have said that. And the Ravens probably would have said no. But I think Lamar just got upset with him and said, I'll just play it out. And again, 
he's playing it out with the tag ahead of him. So that's tough. All right. I don't mean to do this to you. We talked about the Giants earlier. I mentioned earlier in the show, watching that Giants game, I felt like we could have had a running tally of the money Daniel Jones might have been making with every rushing yard and completion. This was a guy who in preseason, a lot of the fans and media were calling for Tyrod Taylor to maybe get some starting reps. And it's, I mean, I don't think it, it's crazy to say he gets an extension. I just, does that extension now look different to you? Does the playoff game factor in more? Cause I think it's been a whole year of a body of work. He's had a great year for where he was, yeah. but it seems like it's keeping, it's continuing to elevate. So does the fact that he did it in a playoff game, you know, on the other side of things factor in more to what this deal, or is this the sort of thing where like the extension, the extension will be what it's going to be playoffs or not. You know, I'm I'm not impartial when I talk about, say, Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not impartial talking about Daniel Jones. I love this kid. <laughs> I mean, so listen, you know, I have multiple, multiple gigs. What I did for a couple of years, you heard of Gary V. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I love Gary V. Okay. Big Jets guy. Yeah, okay, Big Jets great. guy. I know. <laughs> Gary started a sports agency, his brother AJ, and I consulted with them for a couple of years trying to get them going, teaching them about the business. They have a young agent called Brandon Parker. Brandon's father, Eugene, was a mentor to me. And Eugene mm -hmm. passed away a couple of years ago. So it was a real court of giving back. We tried and got this close, this close to signing Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. Got to know him very well. Got to know his family well in Charlotte. Talked to his dad almost every day for a while. And we almost had him. Everyone wanted to be with Gary V, but no one trusted because they hadn't ever done football. And I said, I'll do it. You know, I'm the guy so I can help bring some credibility and gravitas. And at the end of the day, Daniel just went with CAA. You know, Peyton and Eli were calling him and Matthew Stafford. It's just, it was tough. We lost Daniel Jones by that much. But in the process, got to know him a lot. Here's the deal with Daniel. There's no middle ground with quarterbacks anymore. And I've sort of lamented this. You either have rookie quarterbacks making pick a number five million a year, like Herbert or Burrow, but then you have veterans making 35, 40, 50 million a year. So where's the middle ground? There really hasn't been one. Then there's another level of backups making eight to 10 million. I thought that Daniel Jones is going to be this new middle one. Now I think he's going to be the upper end of middle. So I thought, here's a guy that should make 20 to 25 million a year. Now, is that up there with the recent trend of quarterbacks? No, not Kyler Murray, not Russell Wilson. So we'll see. Now I think it'd be closer to 30. And the thing is that, as you know, Jerry, it's got to be that team. Like, what are they going to do with it? They're going to go get another quarterback? So I don't think they let him get to the market. So without letting him get to the market, they've got to step it up because once he gets to the market, you know, then anything can happen. So I think instead of 20 to 25 million, now I'm looking at sort of 28 to 32 million a year for him, I would think. I would have signed with you, Andrew, just putting it out there. I would have signed with you in two seconds. And Gary Vee. Yeah, yeah. I would have signed with you in two <laughs> seconds. See, Until the Manning brothers stop calling me. <laughs> yeah. Leave my guy, Danny J alone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually covered him at Duke a lot and got to know his family and interviewed him a couple times over the phone and was so impressed. They're all like D1 athletes. They're all super man. impressive. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about a veteran quarterback whose future may be unknown, and that's Derek Carr. 
Obviously, yeah. I could have said a bunch of names right there. But Derek Carr, I'm curious about. As you look around the league and who has need, who's got the money, what he might be demanding, where do you see Derek Carr fitting? I don't know. I mean, I think a bigger answer, Olivia, is that there. we just talked about a couple of them. There's This is the biggest quarterback market I've ever seen yeah. in terms of establishing. Mean, there's always the Tyrod Taylors and Josh McCowns out there. But these, this is the biggest group I've ever seen of kind of names, like real quarterbacks. Carr, which I'll get back to in a second. Garoppolo, Jones, if he makes it to market. Lamar, if he makes it to market. Brady. And then, of course, whether Aaron ever leaves Green Bay. So yeah. there's a big group out there. And you've got five, I hear, you know, maybe four or five first mm-hmm. round quarterbacks adding to that mix. So it's going to be like musical chairs. Somebody's going to be left out. So I wonder if it's going to be Carr, if it's going to be Garoppolo. Somebody's going to be left out. I don't know what happened in in Vegas. I, I mean, one week he's starting. The next week he's basically off the team, not getting in Stidham's way. And then he's like, you know, tweeting about, I'm going somewhere else. So it's a contract situation as well. Will a new team take on that big number? And if not, are they going to be negotiations for a lower number? You know, you look at the usual suspects. You're going to look at Jets. You're going to look at Panthers. You're going to look at all these other teams. Is Seattle going to re-sign Geno? Where are we going to be with all this? Like I said, they're going to run out of spots. Mm-hmm. And even Tom Brady, like, where are these guys going to land when teams might decide to go young? Jared Stidham played well. He's a free agent. You know, it's like, right. we got to see all these things. Now, Derek Carr is a well-known product and he'll give you some stability, but are you going to make a big investment to him to be your starter? Is he that level anymore? That's what teams are going to be asking themselves. Well, and they gave him his guy. They gave him Devontae Adams and it, and it didn't work. And they, that set the wide receiver market on fire as we knew this past summer. So yeah, that's, I'm I'm very curious to see where Derek lands. That was the story of the 2022 offseason, as we talked about, the wide receiver right. market. One, not only yeah. Devontae and Tyreek, but the, the, the young guys, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin. Those were, that really upped the market. And it's going to be interesting to see what market jumps like that this next offseason. Do you have a prediction as, as you're speaking about that? Well, one's been completely devalued, as we know, running back. But there's two or three out there that, I mean, you have Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs as free agents. Now, if anyone's going to change the running back market, I would think it'd be one of two of those two guys, because they both can bring stability to that position. Like, is it going to be Christian McCaffrey number? And I didn't even mention Barkley. Sorry, Jerry. (laughs) He's out there, too. So those three running backs, we're going to have to see how that shakes out. So whatever it is, I think that'll take a jump, that market as well. Yeah, I feel like this is the closest the NFL will be coming to replicating like an NBA offseason with how crazy we all watch player movements, where Mm -hmm. they're flying to. Because now you even factor in how much does the Bears sort of stealing that number one overall pick with the Texans winning because you know you got to imagine that picks on the market right they don't need a quarterback they have to be looking to double up first round picks so I just think this NFL offseason is going to be the craziest that fans have ever seen I think every team is at play with something with a move to make yeah because we have to see what 
the key dominoes on the quarterback side or are Brady and Rodgers and see what happens with them. Hopefully we'll know that within the next three, four weeks and then see where that goes. And like we just talked about these, these really positive names on the running back market that are young and ascending. And then the free, the, the draft market with quarterbacks, it's going to be really interesting how teams shake out and, the trend has been sort of teams to build young. That's why I wonder about a market for Tom Brady and even Aaron Rodgers if he's on the trade market. I just think we see teams kind of moving away from let's try to bring in the one-year plan. And part of that is what happened to this to the Rams. It's been an implosion. And mm-hmm. I know every Rams fan, if there are any, <laughs> will say... It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. We won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada. But that team is old and that team is cap strapped and that team has no depth. That's a real problem. right now. I know you still have friends in Green Bay and I know, you know, Aaron Rodgers. So when you see his comments after that final game of money is energy, I don't mind passing up on money. He's saying that he would walk away. What do you read between the lines? Well, let's set it up for your listeners. I mean, he is under contract with a 59, let's say 60 million guarantees. So it's it's set up weird where it's an option, but they have till the season exercise, et cetera. The bottom line is he has that coming to him. Will he walk away from that? <laughs> it's life-changing wealth, as we know that. A couple things, I've said this. Number one, he's a different cat. We all know that. Is he that different to walk away from $60 million? Probably not. But number two, there's a middle ground that I and your grandfather, Olivia, know so well. In 2008, Brett, after retiring, came back and wanted to play, and we had turned the team over to Aaron. And we didn't want to trade him. We wanted him to retire. All those, If you remember, it was so messy. Yeah. There was an offer made, and I was not part of this, but I know it was made, for Brett to stay retired and to be a team ambassador for what was probably around $20 million. Oh my gosh. Now, is that a path for Aaron? Is there a path where they say, Aaron, your parting gift as you walk into Zen retirement is pick a number, $30 million. Half of what you could make if you stay in play somewhere, either here or somewhere else. So I don't know. It feels like it's time to, for a separation where the symmetry would be amazing, right? 15 years to the day after we took Aaron in the first round where we had a Hall of Fame quarterback, they took Jordan Love in the first round where they had a Hall of, Hall of Fame quarterback. They have both served now three years apprenticeship. Seems like the time to turn the team over to Love. I don't know if they will. I mean, yeah. You have this commitment they made last year of $60 million guaranteed. So one other technical nerdy thing about this contract, yeah. it's the only contract you've ever seen where the dead money goes up, not down, up the longer he plays. It's, it's a weird structure. What do you mean dead money? Dead money means money counting on your cap after separation. Okay. And we're in a different age. You know, in my day, I would never want like more than $10 million dead money on my cap for one person, meaning a non-roster player. But two years ago, it was Carson Wentz, $34 million on the Eagles cap when they moved him to Indianapolis. Last year, $40 million on the Falcons cap while Matt Ryan played for the Colts. 
So this number for Aaron would be 40 million. So you've got two hurdles. You got would the Packers take on 40 million? And we're in the new age, maybe. Would they somehow figure out a way to not pay him 60 but pay him something else? We'll see. If they want to move to love, but we still don't know that. Very intriguing. Before we let you go, this weekend, we won't speak about it in the sense of picks and all that stuff, but what game this weekend just intrigues you the most from a business standard, from just storylines? What game are you most intrigued about this weekend? Well, again, personal. I love Doug Peterson. He was our backup in Green Bay before Aaron for several years, and he was such a positive influence. And people have talked about his interview at halftime the other day where he just, you know, they're like, you know, basically saying to him, you just had the worst half in the history of the playoffs. What are you going to do? And he was very positive. That's, that was Doug. That's my experience with Doug. And when we drafted Aaron, it was a little bit, you know, frosty with Aaron and Brett. You know, you had Mississippi country and California cool, and it was just kind of a, so I called, who'd I call to be the, the, the calming voice in the room? I called Doug Peterson. Wow. Wow. I said, Doug, we need you back. He's like, no, Andrew, I'm retired. I'm like, no, Doug, please. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm co-. he was coaching high school. I said, we'll fly you back Friday nights, whatever. He's like, no, oh I'm done. I'm done. I said, I need you. Million dollars. No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Million five. I finally got him. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, I got him that one year when we had him, Aaron. And I mean, it was just like, he's such a calm. He was Brett's best friend. He was Brett's counselor. He was Brett's coach on the field. Brett's golf partner. Wow. He's just, so I'm a big fan. I obviously saw what he did in Philly as a coach. So it's great to see him. You know, he comes up as a huge underdog to the Chiefs, but I I I'm not saying I think they'll win, but I think they'll surprise people because he knows Andy Reid so well. I mean, they're they're joined at the hip for years. I also want to see Jalen Hurts back to what I hope for his sake is full yeah. speed. I think that team, as I referenced earlier in the pod, I think they're loaded. I think this has been the Eagles year since October. We've all kind of been living in it. They're stacked at every position and Hurts has been a revelation. They're 14 and one when he starts. It's just an amazing season for a young guy. Second round pick that they drafted to be a backup for Carson Wentz. And as I talked about earlier, I just, I want to see the Bills. Like I want to see them play solid. They're just, they're frenetic. Josh Allen's all over the place. This is going to be obviously the emotional matchup that was happening during the injury. Burrow fan, but I also think Burrow's limited because offensive line injuries. And then the last game, Dallas has the talent. Dallas is extremely talented. I know there's McCaffrey and I know there's Debo and all that, but Dallas defense gets after it. They've got great skill positions on offense. They've got that great offensive line. So would not be surprised with a Dallas upset. As everyone loves the 49ers, I get it, but Dallas is loaded too, talent wise. So in short, you're intrigued by every matchup. <laughs> I'm a football fan. You know, there's only, what, yeah. six games, seven games left. So savoring it. 
Listen, learn I always all. expect to learn something know. from you when you come on the pod. What I did not expect to learn today was Doug Peterson was involved with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Just and that, that's a great story. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> know that. I'm gonna now I'm gonna spend time on the internet trying to find pictures yeah. of the three of them in uniform together. You know, I used to call Doug every year because we could never <laughs> get we could never get backup quarterbacks in Green Bay. Yeah. You know, they'd all say, "Why, why would I come there? I'll never play." Sounds like, great. Why to would me. I come up? <laughs> It's cold. It's yeah, it cold. And my family doesn't want to go there. And I would say, listen, please, please, please. And then I'd call Doug and he'd go, how many guys you call this year? Oh, no. <laughs> I'd say three or four. He goes, all right. And then we'd do a contract in five minutes, no agent. So, yeah, he was. And then you see it. You know, I'm not an expert on the coaching, but I just saw him. Like in those rooms, he just saw things that other players didn't. He was a mm. perfect guy to have as a backup. And you see players around the league. I know you see this, whether it's Chase Daniel or Matt Castle or Chad Henney, that just make a great living doing this. That was Doug Peterson. They just he's the best job. They have this knack. They make now instead of a million a year, they're making eight million a year, and they just like serve the starter in ways that are so great for the, that player. Makes That's sense great. that he's a, a good I coach. Love, Makes sense now. Yes. Yeah. I love, hey, you're making a, you're making 20 grand coaching high school football. Let me offer you a million five and I'll even fly you back. And he's like, nah, your, your I don't think so. Friday. I'm retired, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> awesome story. Every year I'm, every year I'm negotiating against myself. To, like, yeah. Doug, please, how much more you need? No, I'm done. I'm done. He was a great negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Andrew, you were fantastic again. I don't know, the three-peat coming up? Do you want to come on a third time? Yeah, I mean, put me on okay. the bonus plan and give me points for a free, free, uh, free movie go. at the end of the day. Done. Done. <laughs> there you go. And thank you for protecting my precious, sweet Catholic grandfather's eyes from the evils of pornography. <laughs> erase it, Andrew, erase it. He still, as far as I know, has never looked at something like that. <laughs> as far as I know, that's true. Thank you, Andrew, so much. You could follow him on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. We appreciate you coming on. Okay, I finally got to it, this episode that I have long awaited. I've heard so much about it, Jerry. You said it is one of the most asked about episodes of Entourage, and it's the Tom Brady episode. You guys are playing golf. Tell me what TB12 was like. Look, not, not that he needs any more adoration from anyone in the world, but I do have to say, and even as a Giants fan, he was awesome. You know, he came in on short notice. That episode was originally written by Doug Allen for Peyton and Eli Manning long before the Manning cast. And they asked to come on. So this is one of the situations where their people called, they wanted to do something on the show. Doug goes off and comes up with something for the Mannings, knowing they play golf. That's probably the only reason why it was a golf episode. And I don't know what the reasons were, but like two, three weeks before they pulled out, script was already written. We were getting ready to shoot in two weeks. That's a disaster oh production-wise. So this is where having Mark Wahlberg as your executive producer, everyone always says, how involved was Mark? Very involved because Mark says, after the Mannings drop out, he says, you know, do you want me to get 
Tom and I'll do it with Tom. And we're like, who are you talking? Like Tom, Tom who? Tom Arnold? <laughs> He's like, no, Tom Brady. It's like, yeah, call Tom Brady if you could do that. And within two weeks, Tom Brady was on set. This was the year he was coming off the injury to your Kansas City Chiefs. Someone rolled up on his knee, if you remember. So no one's seen him mm-hmm. play football in a long time. No one's seen him in general in a long time. And he rolled up five o'clock in the morning at Industry Hills Golf mm. Course in L.A., and piped the drive 300 yards down the fairway on the opening hole. Couldn't have been cooler. He signed a bunch of stuff for the crew and just genuinely wow. seemed happy to be there. And um, yeah, I had to say all this insulting stuff as my character to him. And he had the best sense of humor about it. So it, it was awesome. And I get asked about that episode. It's up there for sure. So it was the off season then. What time of year? Yeah, it was the off season. This is in the, this is, uh, like late spring. I want to say this is like May or June. So yeah, he was, he, this was probably like the last thing he did before he reported to camp coming off the injury for oh. a year. So yeah, no, so many times you almost had Kobe Bryant on the show, but if they're in season, obviously these guys aren't doing every now and then we get a visiting player yeah. in LA quickly, but no, it was off season for Brady. Oh man. I, I wonder, did he have a house in LA or did he fly in just for the episode? I think he just flew in for the episode. I, I, I'm not quite sure. You know, I was a little nervous about having to tell, yeah. like, or at least want to tell him that he sucks balls, like, as my character does. But, yeah. Uh, like I said. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, I, I have Giants head covers. I still have those Giants head covers in, in my golf bag. I still, those are my head covers to this day. I will never, hopefully never lose those. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, I just had the greatest sense of humor <laughs> about it. And uh, it was really cool. You just stepped up. So I know you have a ton of memorabilia behind you. Like we can see the movie posters and stuff. Did Tom sign something for you? Do you have like a framed signed jersey or anything? No, I don't have. I, I didn't ask for any signatures. I'm weird about that stuff. But there, oh, there is a great picture that you can't see because it's on the wall I'm facing. Uh, and I don't want to move my camera, but I'll show. Okay. I'll take a picture of it. But it's of all of us. It's it's me, Adrian, Kevin Dillon, Connolly, uh, Wahlberg, Doug Allen, and Brady in the middle, looking like Vince, awesome. looking like the real Vince in that yeah. photo. <laughs> and he's also eight inches taller than everybody in the photo. Yeah. No, in, in the episode, he invites you and Jamie Lynn over for dinner. And he's like, yeah, Giselle cooks. You should come. I was like, oh my God. Which made me kind of sad. Obviously, now they're divorced. I was like, oh, that's no, but it's, listen, and that whole sucks balls line, what, which yeah. wasn't in the script when it was Peyton and Eli, because Doug leaned into the fact that my character was a Giants fan. So to get that line, I was in yeah. Doug's office. It was like a Sunday night. He shouldn't have even been there. And he's trying to fix this script now that it's Brady and Wahlberg, you know, all this extra work. Yeah. And we're talking through some stuff. And he's like, well, what would you, I don't know, we need a line here. For what would your character say to Brady? He's like, call your biggest, your, you know, your biggest Giant fan friend back in Brooklyn. Get him on the phone. So I call my buddy Paul and I put him on speakerphone <laughs> in Brooklyn. And Doug's like, Paul, you, if you see Tom Brady out the night before the Super Bowl, what do you say to him? He goes, I tell him he sucks balls is what I tell him. And Doug just hung up the phone, <laughs> typed that in. And I get that said to me at least once a week from someone. It's like, Tom Brady sucks balls. Okay, I have one more question about this stage I'm at in Entourage is your birthday episode when you guys go to race Ferraris, where did you do that? And did you actually get behind the wheel? Uh, yes. So that was at a racetrack in Fontana. I think it's California Speedway or something like that. And yeah. yes, we did race real Ferraris. We, got to, we had to go train like wow. a few days before. 
and we trained on stock cars. Now, I don't know how to drive stick, ironically enough. Uh, so, yeah. and luckily the Ferraris were not, obviously they were, they were auto, but I've never really gotten in a stock car before. And one of the guys there who was teaching us took me for a ride in one of the two seaters. And okay. I just don't know how to, anyone who thinks that, ah, oh, they're just driving this. I don't know. I was pinned to the, to the back of my seat, couldn't move all the G-force on my head. Yeah, but racing the Ferraris, although, they were, you know, we were told, I forgot where we couldn't go above. I think it was like we couldn't go above 60 because there's like insurance on the cars, on us. Oh. But uh, we, we we stretched it out a little 60. bit. But yeah, I got to drive a Ferrari California around racetrack. Uh, I don't think many people could say that. Oh, that's very cool. All right, well, I had to ask you that stuff, so more to come next week. The Lions. Yeah. All right, it's time for my favorite part of the show, and especially now because it's playoff time. Let me tell you, playoff betting is arguably the best betting out there. And I got to say, great start to the wild card weekend. Let's keep it going in the divisional round. We're bringing in our odds-on favorite BetMGM betting analyst, Peter, a hot Peter Andrew, coming in. How you doing, buddy? That's why it's your favorite segment now, because I'm winning some bets. We're, <laughs> yep. we're cashing them in, and we're coming in hot. Yeah, talk about just, you know, you took your lumps early, you kept go. Honestly, it was almost Dable-esque, right? Like, you, you, you just kept with the yeah. game plan, everyone came together, and now it's all paying off for you. Let's recap last week. What'd you end up with? Plus what, 11 units last week, I believe? Yeah, so we cleaned up. So first off, we were a Kittle touchdown away from probably another 15 yeah. units on that one-game parlay. So that hurt, but I felt good about the other picks. So we had got the Bengals early at minus six and a half before the line moved up and proved to be smart because we uh You we sweated that one out though, there. let's be honest. Sweated that one out for sure. They played, we'll talk about them in a second. They played down to their to their opponents there in the Ravens. Um, but the big one, which is the one I was really excited about, was Jags, Giants, both money line parlay. Jags, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that first half. Trevor Lawrence looked awful, but they stayed in the game. They played well. Timely touchdowns. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. I mean, the team looked really good in the second half. It was such a tale of two halves there. But Yeah, I said something earlier in the show. I think Olivia's eyes popped out of her head when I said, I actually think the 27-7 halftime lead was a bad thing for the Chargers with the type of team they have and the way they've thrown yeah. away leads. Olivia literally looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> yeah. But I think... We talked about your New York football giants, more so about how I thought the Vikings are frauds. Yeah. The Kirk Cousins fourth down, three-yard little out pattern. Like, everything about that team, it just makes no sense to me how they won 13 games this year. Just so much superstar talent, but they either outcoached constantly. They seem to make the silly mistake mm -hmm. lots of times. They put themselves in really bad holes. And Daniel Jones looked like a guy who could be a top-10 quarterback Ran for 75, 80 yards in the first half. He was throwing the ball crisp. Looked really good. And I think I'd like to see that translate uh, into this week against the Eagles. Yeah, I was saying Daniel Jones looked more like Josh Allen than Josh Allen. And a stat I dropped earlier in the show, his rush attempts, he had 17, were second most in a quarterback in playoff history. So, I mean, this is the guy we're talking about that Jerry mentioned earlier preseason. People were saying bench him. But I don't know. Do, does he keep this magic? Do the Giants keep this magic? Do they have a chance? Yeah. And I think it 
we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks on the show, but like build a good team, build a good all line, build a good D line. And then the quarterback is just a moot point. And I, I say that gracefully and nicely, but if he has the weapons and he has the time and he has the opportunity with a coach like Brian Dable to run plays that benefit him to keep him out of the pocket, he's going to be good. And, and to your question, Olivia, I think they do cover the seven and a half this week. So that's one of my picks. I'm going to basically pick all four spreads and then a little extra pick on the, on the, on the side, but plus seven and a half. I think they keep it close. You know, before we started recording, I was telling Jerry, I, I just think Hertz did not look great. The Eagles did not look great last week of the season, a little bit rusty. And now they're going another week and a half, two weeks without really playing. I think they're going to come out pretty slow. And I think the giants have a lot of momentum. The giants know what they want to do to win. That D line is balling right now between Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, they got a lot of weapons there. The name of the game is just going to be how you contain Jalen Hurts. If you can contain him in the pocket and make him make that throw, I think the Giants probably win this game outright, certainly cover. But if you're just going to let him dance around and turn nothing into something, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, Yeah, a lot of people agree with you because at BetMGM, the Giants are the most bet team right now, plus seven and a half, handle and tickets. Yeah. Shout out to Dexter Lawrence, everyone complaining that Giants Commanders game. Oh, that was pass interference in the end zone. What a te- everyone gets terrible calls. Dexter Lawrence gently placed Kirk Cousins on the ground and got an awful roughing the quarterback. He, he put him down with like a pillow and a blankie, and they called the penalty. So you're going, you're going Giants plus the seven and a half in Philly. So are you going two and a half units on that? Is it like you're just picking yeah. the games here, right? No yeah, parlays. So no parlays. Two and a half units on each of these. So okay. So okay. we got Giants plus seven and a half. All right. We've got. Let's go with the, uh, the other team that was on a round by last week. Chiefs. I think there's opportunity for this to be a thirty point win. Uh, yeah. Jags. J- what? Jags Super Bowl was last week. Winning their game at home, showing that they can compete. I think Trevor Lawrence takes a really nice step this year and starts to progress in the next two to three years. But. I think the Chiefs blow them out of the water. Uh, that line opened at nine and a half. Yeah. Like that's, but you're saying 30. I think it's a blowout type of game. I mean, I look at it almost like I look at the Niners last week against the Seahawks, a team who deserved to be in there, but a team that can't compete with a number one or a number two overall seed in, in their respective conference. Way too many weapons. Chiefs at home. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the combo of McKinnon, Pacheco. I mean, just everywhere you go. Jags got a great defense, but it's hard to stop three different targets when you got six or seven different targets there that can catch a touchdown at any point. I'd be really worried. So um, that would be one of my two favorites I like this week. The other little home cooking, but I think there's there's some recency bias on the the Cowboys line. It's moved down from minus four and a half to minus three and a half in favor of the Niners. Listen, Brady and the Bucks were cooked from the start. I think Dak. I mean, he had an incredible game. All he had to do was just play their their game plan. I think they looked awful, the Bucks. So I don't want to take a lot of stock into it, which I think this line is taking a lot into. Niners put up a 41 spot or 42 spot, whatever it was, on the Seahawks. Pretty much coast the fourth quarter. Um, Niners are just as complete as it gets right there with the Chiefs, in my opinion. So I think they handily win this. I love the three and a half. I was saying to someone, if it was... Six and a half, I probably would take it still. So that kind of hook around the touchdown, I think that was my number. But I see a high-scoring game. I see, you know, Cowboys are good. They're going to put up points. I think at the end of the day, it's a 34 to 20-something, you know, type of game. 
Um, but Niners ultimately just have all the weapons there. And then last one, Bengals plus four and a half. That's moved around a little bit too. I like that game to be really close. I don't know if they can beat the Bills at, uh, at Buffalo, but I think it's a close game. I think they certainly, to an earlier point, they played down to the Ravens last week. A lot of mistakes, a lot of messy play. But I think this is one of those games, you know, they didn't get to finish their game a couple weeks ago. I think they've got something to prove here. Probably would take the Bills to win if I had to take a money line. But I think it's a late field goal kind of game, and it's relatively close. Another shootout, I think, too, just, again, with all the weapons, Josh Allen, what he's able to do running the ball, weapons like Diggs, Gabe Davis, and then, obviously, the wide receiver trio in, in Cincinnati. I could see this being a 55, 60-point game. So if you wanted to lean something else other than the plus three and a half, I'd certainly take the over, which I think is somewhere around 47, 48 right now. I was going to ask you that, too, is last weekend, five of the six games, the over hit, and really almost on the Monday night game, too, by half a point. Yep. But do you feel like that trend will continue into this weekend? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of really, really good offenses here. So if you look at these teams right. and you look down the list, there's, what, one or two that you consider really, really standout defenses. The rest are high-powered offenses, can throw the ball to, like I said, seven, eight different targets. So, again, if you're going to fade any of these, fade the overs. And then when the first three hit, and then the Niners are the last game, take the under because it's just inevitable yeah. to happen. All right, so you got Chiefs minus eight and a half. You got Giants plus seven and a half, which I agree with, but I hate that we did that because I want them to. <laughs> I want no one to bet them. Uh, Bengals plus four and a half. I do love that number. And Niners minus three and a half. I got. I'm not saying I would worry about that one. I'd like it better if it gets down to three because down to three, I truly do love the Niners. But uh, I think they're all close games this week. With the exception, like, yeah, I do think the Chiefs, maybe not 30, but maybe uh, 14 to, to 20. But um, it's going to be a wild weekend. Stay hot, though, Pete. We gotta, I'm right. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm loving your picks. You got to stay hot. Peter, thank you, as always. Good luck this weekend to everybody. Olivia, good luck to you. I mean, you're literally calling. The, you're going to be covering the game. That's incredible. I can't wait. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm just excited to be front and center at a playoff game. There's nothing like it. It's so much fun. And being on the field for it, especially. That's what Peter, my dad's calling the game with me, but he's up in the booth. He's not, you know, smelling the sweat and the grass. I love it. Love it. Have a blast. <laughs> well, and good luck to everybody else Thank out there. You. Thank you to Andrew Brandt. Uh, let's, uh, this, I'm so excited. I, I wish there was more fun. I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, what you can do is also subscribe to the BetMGM Unleashed podcast YouTube page. And we will see you all oh, yeah. next week. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.